start recording? Yeah. And then go live. And then go live. Three, two, one. Sweet. Let me know if it goes live. Are we live here? Live, live from New York City, Good Saturday. Night. What? We're live. Okay, we're live. Awesome. Okay, well, we, we just we just had a little, we did we had a practice round there. We did. That's good because uh, this now I, I'm I feel more comfortable. Like we can't mess up anymore. We're right. definitely live. I mean, we can definitely still mess up. I mean, That's I can. Definitely. human factor right yeah 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 yeah. so we're sorry you didn't get to see what happened before i mean you showed me uh how you always carry that's always. that's good have you always carried yeah yes so that started went to like a street survival school with a, a man named lieutenant dave grossman mm-hmm. his street survival talks and one thing he really stuck in my head was when you leave your house as a police officer, you take your keys, you take your wallet, you take your gun. It's just part of the package. <laughs> and really, I mean, he does like it t- takes like, what, 30 seconds to grab the weapon and strap it on extra. Sure. And then I had an incident that happened this past summer. And then I was so glad that I was just going to pick up my mother-in-law at the car place and I wasn't going to get on my vehicle and end up using my weapon that day. So, wow. I'm like, OK, that's why you carry. Dang. See, usually I just keep like a crowbar in my car or something like that. I think I get really close to the Yeah, person. I know, but then you have a hell of a story. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> if they don't take the crowbar from you. And that's one hell of a segue right there. I'm here with Rob Bratcher. He was my... He was he was he was he was the cop. <laughs> I, do you like that word, by the way, cop? It's fine. Constable on patrol. It's like the way I like to see it. Wait, is that actually short for something? It could be. It just depends on who you ask. Okay. Well, you were the one in the high school that I saw who was always in uniform and like you didn't mess up around him and you always said, hi, hello, sir. How you doing? Nice to see you. And um, and and you, you had some rascals. I was one of those rascals. I could tell the, the, the yellow Mustang story. But um, yeah, that's. I swear, it, it, it comes down to this, is that I, I remember this one time I hit, there was a stoplight, and I, like, did kind of a big old, and, and I turned around, I left some marks, and I was driving the yellow Mustang at the time, and, and they somebody pulled me over, and I got pulled over in the Bank of America parking lot, you know where I'm talking about now? Yes. The Bank of America that hasn't moved. Right. We've had, like, 16 have moved all over, but... Right. And I got pulled over, and then I remember they gave me a warning, and they got, and I, and I, I just thought to myself, I don't know why, but maybe Bratcher was a part of this. <laughs> I think I remember giving you a hard time because it was a V6 Roush-looking Mustang. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Well, yeah, every single person gave me a hard time because it about, looked like a Roush. Yeah, but it was. A it sounded kind of like, like a Roush. It sounded kind of like a Roush. It, and it was a Roush. I even had the tag. That's right. The argument was just over and they over. They wouldn't make a V6 Mustang was the argument. Yes. <laughs> but then I was like, listen, listen, it's a rare. This is actually one of the more rare Mustangs because in 2001 and 2002, they were, what they were going to do is they were going to make the Roush and they were going to put a V6 in it and then they were going to supercharge it. That's what they were going to do, but they didn't have the money to supercharge it. So instead, they just added all of the fancy look. They did the uh, exhaust and they lo- had the suspension and everything but the engine was really like and i really did i never got in any fights but i i wanted to 
Maybe that's what I remember. Okay, so there was one time when some kid stole my Mustang, and I might have called the police. Do you remember that at Rancho Grande? I don't remember that one. Okay, we, you didn't come here to talk about the Mustang. You came here to share your, your okay. testimony. Okay. So, take two. Take two. We'll do that another day. Yeah. So, what I can recall is that you, earlier on, you grew up in Liberty, and you you share it. So, I grew up in Liberty, Yeah. Um, went to Liberty High School, went to William Joe College, worked for the city of Liberty. My friends like to say I haven't gone far in life. Geographically. Geographically. Um, my parents own a business one block from the police station that's been there for 30 plus years. So, yeah. yep, I don't live too far from my parents. I like my home roots, but grew up a pretty, I would just call typical, normal, Midwesterner, Christian life. Probably was, you know, not a goody two shoes boy in high school, but I was a role follower, definitely. Yeah, you told me that you got in a fight. Other than fighting. Yeah, like what happened? Times. Do you remember? Um, I still six remem- times? I still remember, like, the guy was making fun of my Christian music, uh-huh. and I took t- offense to that. And he picked up one of my CDs, and I don't remember what group it was, but he was, like, acting like he was going to break it. And I remember that just really pissed me off. So I just went after him and put him in a headlock, started punching him, threw him to the ground, and I just walked myself to the office. <laughs> You walked yourself to the office? And I remember getting there, and the secretary's like, Robbie, what are you doing here? I'm like, um, I got into a fight. She's like, okay, have a seat. I mean, that's the type of kid I was. I knew I was in trouble. I'm you turned yourself in? Turned did you get detention? In. or did like? So Mr. Butler was really cool with me. Um, he made me serve the detention like outside his office okay. for like a week. So I just had to sit at this little desk outside his office. No ISS, no OSS, but just... That for that week, I had to sit outside his office. Well, they they, they do say that if you turn yourself in, then you'll get a, a, a little less, yeah lesser punishment, right? True, right. So yeah, that was the one time. What about the other five times? Um, the other five times, um, I guess I've always had that protector mentality. Um, one of the times I got into a big old fight was on a bus, and there was a kid that was wanting to sit down somewhere, um, and the other kid wouldn't let him. But there was really no other place to sit, so he started picking on this kid. So I stood up and I said, you're not going to fight him. If you're going to fight him, you're going to fight me first. <laughs> That's how the fight got started. In the bus? On, on the, bus? the bus. Yeah, I didn't ride the bus for a while. <laughs> I, had a, I got a vacation from the bus. Um, another time was in playing just pick up basketball in PE. And I can't tell you the whole context story, but uh, it was the, the male competition got into play. And I said stuff. He said stuff he shouldn't have. He punched me. I thought, well, if I don't punch you back, I won't get in trouble. But then I decided, well, yeah, you are going to get in trouble. So we fought, and then, yeah, I got in trouble. So you don't, you're not much a. I don't, you don't. I don't picture you as a fighter, though. I know most people don't see that 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 happened. Yeah, yeah, it did. And you remember all of these times? Do you feel bad about it? Did you ever like really just? Because well, whenever I think of fights, like I don't. I, how does it end? You know, like does it just one guy's like, no, well, stop. Well, what ends when somebody just... Were you the punisher? Were you? Did you finish? Did you I, Did you curb stop? I did get punished one time. All the others, I won. Okay. Yeah, so the one in the basketball game, yeah, I was. I got punished, yeah. Wait a second. Do you know what curb stomping is? I'm not sure. You've never seen the movie American Gangster? No, I don't. I don't. Okay. I don't, watch, I don't watch movies that aren't good for me. <laughs> This is not this. This is a good movie. It's it's a it's it's maybe it's not. A but movie I don't like to like the movies that like portray gangsters as like that's like the cool lifestyle. It's not that. It's not American Gangster. It's actually called American X or something. Like I won't watch the stupid cop movies either. Like the Super Troopers that makes the cops look stupid. 
Really? No. See, I never liked any of those movies anyways. I didn't, me neither. Yeah. But you, you, it's, I, I'm trying to think of the name of it. Thomas, do you know the name of that movie? Okay, we don't know the name of the movie. We'll find it online, and I'll have to share it with you. You know it's, what your producer's it, supposed to be over there, like, typing away in the internet trying to find the name of the movie? I, <laughs> Thomas! <laughs> no, he's got, he's got a million other things he's doing right now. So, I, it's killing me. Like, I absolutely, I've got to figure it out. It's the, it's, you've probably seen it. It's, it's like these, there's, it's, it's a reflection of what happened when all the skinheads, like, popped up in, like, the 60s or 50s or something. And... Are you sure you're not? Okay, we'll figure it out. It'll, it'll just. Okay. I think he has it. Thomas has the answer. Hold on. Oh, he's working on. Okay, it. G- give us that answer. It's American something, but anyway. So you got a bunch of fights. Yep. So you weren't a real Christian. You were just a. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I look at the Bible and I did Jesus ever use the perfect person? No. No. Never. Never did the perfect person that lived the perfect life get used. Well, you you had tax collectors, you had prostitutes, you had you had in a between king who committed adultery and had her you know the husband killed in Good battle. Bathsheba. Yep. So David. David, he was a king, but yeah, he was a. But we see David as a guy that chased after God's heart. Probably yeah. more than anybody else in the Bible, but he did some horrendous So things. you were getting some fights and yep. stuff, but then you were also reading at the same time. Correct. So for me, whenever I was going through high school, is that I never really, I had the Bible, but I didn't read it. You made it easy when your grandpa's a preacher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So did he hammer it into you? And he like, didn't hammer it into me. But did you read I, tonight? But I just remember always not wanting to disappoint him if he asked me a question, right? I wanted to be able to have the answer, uh, right? And he had that, like, deep, southern, pulpit-pounding voice that I just remember resonating with you. You know, I, he, he lived in Kentucky. I didn't get to listen to his sermons very often. They, uh, they didn't live stream him? Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> not at the little, like, 60-people church in the country now. Not at that. How many years ago was this? Oh, so he, how, how old are you, first of all? Oh, I'm 50. You're 50? Yeah. Oh. Dang. I know. It's getting up there. I know. Well, I just hit 29, and I'm like, you just hit 50 then? Yeah. Recently? Yeah. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks. Like, within the last month? Yeah, like, the day after Christmas. Well, we're kind of sharing, like, the f- same thing. Like, 29 and 50, I think, are very similar in that, like, okay. Okay, yeah. Do you have kids? Yes. Okay. How many? Three. Three kids? Mm-hmm. You know how many kids I have? Zero, right? <laughs> well, I've got all the cats out front. <laughs> I think there's, they're up to 16 or 17 cats. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm. My mom would love you. Well, <laughs> she can come have them. <laughs> Take them, man. So you, your grandfather, what was his name? Donald Porter Bratcher. Donald Porter Bratcher. Mm-hmm. What's Bratcher? Is that, Bratcher. Is that, is that German? Um. Believed to be German, but we have done the ancestry. Can't really find it. Anybody coming over from across the pond that had the last name Bratcher. So it's really believed that um, it was not very uncommon for when you got here to change your name with a new start. So it's thinking that the last name could have derived from like Bradshaw or something like that. But it, it, it is a very German name. But none of our heritage really goes back to German. Like um, my grandmother was full-blooded Irish. Yeah. Her last name was... My dad's mom. She was a Malloy. A Malloy? Mm-hmm. That's pretty Irish. That's pretty Irish, yeah, right. That's pretty Irish. 
So when I did my yeah, so, when I did my ancestry, I was like twenty seven percent Irish, which really shocked me. I was like, I didn't think that was in there. That's why you fought. That's right. We went on this full <laughs> circle right here. I'm trying to figure out why is this? Why is Bradshaw actually a fighter? Oh, he's got the Irish. Spirit. Got the Irish spirit. Yeah, have you been to Ireland? No, but my son did, and like one of his, uh, they had those trips in high school. Yeah. He got to go to Ireland, and he just absolutely loved it. So I would love to go back with him. All I see is, uh, I've seen the pictures. Um, I can't think of that cliff. Hoth, like the Hoth cliffs. Hoth cliffs? That's where he, where he was at the cliffs. It was like called Hoth. Okay, yeah, those, that's where I want to go. Yeah, he, he, he did and say see that. see the hillsides and just. That was his most favorite place in the world. Really? Yep. A buddy of mine sent me a picture of it and he's like, can you edit this? It was difficult because I was like, it's, how do you make something like that better? Well, it turns out you just bring up the contrast and then you add a little bit more saturation. But it's never better than being there. No, not at all. It's kind of ticked off that he sent me the pictures, but right. that's how it goes. In fact, that was the first time I'd ever sat through somebody's vacation pictures. Do you, have you ever done that? Set with somebody who they did the vacation pictures? Yeah. I might have shown people our vacation pictures. No, but I mean, like, now it's like you share them on Facebook and then people like them and whatnot. Like, but, like, before, you know, like, people would go take pictures on vacation and then, hey, you want to see my vacation pictures? Does anybody actually ever want to see those vacation pictures? That's uh, my question. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe if it's an interesting place. Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of like the you know, social media posts where people show their food. Yeah. I don't really care what you had for dinner last night. At the greatest steakhouse or yeah. sushi house or whatever. It's like, just, I don't really care that you if, went to Fayetteville. If we Arkansas. were like together, would you like walk up to me with your plate of food and go, look what I'm eating tonight? <laughs> no. I think I'm going to put that on my bucket list <sighs> is to actually go up to somebody and say, do you like this? <laughs> right. Would you like this? Look at this. Like this. I make this. Yeah. Like this, please. Like this. <laughs> I mean, you ever seen the even, video? What if Facebook were in real life? It won't even be. It won't even be like a plate from the restaurant. It will be like my own sourdough that I burnt. Right. Do you like this? <laughs> Look what I had for dinner today. Will you like this, please? Will you comment? Here's a sticky note. Just put it, write right. it, and then put it on there. That'd make for a pretty good video. It would make a good video. Do you watch a lot of YouTube? Um, my son, who is a college freshman, started me watching more YouTube videos. It's mostly like car stuff. Okay. What do you drive? I drive. I, my wife bought me a new truck for my birthday. Oh. It's a Ooh. pretty blue F-150. Well, don't say the year or anything like that because, you know, right. you are. Uh, I do have eight cars. Oh, <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, I have a car problem. That's um, great. So my son and I have come up with a name of a shop. Um, when he gets through engineering school, we really we've thought about doing our own shop and doing start doing our own videos. Um, we really feel like when we watch some of these car videos that were 10 times better than some of these guys. And we're like, that got like 1.4 million views. And I'm pretty sure I could do that better. Yeah. Right. And so we like to watch just a lot of car stuff is what we like to watch. You should start doing it. Like well, I can tell you exactly. Well, all three of these cameras are the same. I would recommend them. Well, now that I know who to go to and get advice from. I'm right here. You're right here. Really? And you can even start a YouTube channel with, this goes out for everybody listening. You can start a channel with your smartphone. It's just, it. everything has to do with the lighting. Okay. It's not necessarily what kind of camera and whether or not you have the best equipment. Although audio is very important and you may need to get some kind of external like microphone. Body microphone. Or- yeah. But, but basically having the lighting and already in a shop, you usually do have pretty good lighting. Right. So, um, dang. Eight cars. What else do you have then? Well, uh, Mustang. 
No, no Mustang. Um, we have two Trans Ams. Uh-huh. We have a 2000 WS6, which is, you know, you're... WS6? Is that a, like, a Volkswagen? No, that's like the Corvette motor LT1 in it. Okay. And then we have a 78. It's kind of our current project car, the old Smoking the Bandit style Trans Am. And then we've, uh, I rebuilt a 39 Chevy pickup that I drive around a lot. So who, t- who taught you all of these, like, mechanics? So my dad grew up with his friends in Kentucky tearing cars apart, and this old truck that I restored is actually the truck they used to go to take to the junkyard back in the late 60s to get parts. And so it sat around at my grandpa's house for, and What like, year is that? Uh, that my dad picked up parts? Yeah, no, just the, yeah, the pickup truck that was... Oh, uh, it's a 39. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, very simple to work on. Sure. Um, it has about three socket sizes is about all you need. <laughs> That's not and bad. E- it needs three things to run, gas, air, fire. <laughs> it's not really pretty picky if all cylinders are running or not. It's and still- if anything messes up, it's just like, a, yep. oh, it's that. It's that, you know. The, actually, the duct tape and the bailing wire would actually <laughs> fix it, that, that truck, right? It's kind of like a nice old washer or dryer. Right. Uh, if we ever have, like, the electromagnetic impulse weaponized against us my truck will still run what is that you know what that is no like I like like in the, the incredible hulk whenever like yes exactly like and that. they have that big old it, but it actually fries like electronics devices like what? our cars of today with it would fry the computer systems well wait so you're telling me the thing in fast and furious is actually a real thing have you seen the fast and furious yes of course it's a car movie <laughs> okay I see the car movies. Well, we were talking about the movies that you haven't seen. I was like, okay, well, the car okay. movies you gotta see. Okay, I'm not a fan of those cars, but they're still cars. So movies. when they shoot the cars and it, and then like it will that's, basically that's, kill the computer. Right, that's real. Oh my gosh, they use that. Well, militaries have have the capability to have that. Okay, but that would be kind of sketch if it was in public and like in a on the highway or something. Correct. Yeah, yeah I don't think any human uh, normal person would have something like that. Yeah. So, anyway, where does faith fall into the picture in college? Because college is a pretty tough time, right? Off the path. Yeah. yeah. So, went into college being a lot like I was in high school, just following the rules, being the good guy. Um, carried that really well through that first semester. Second semester got really rocky. Mm-hmm. Um, typical, some typical college behaviors. Were you in a fraternity? Um, I was kind of in a fraternity i joined the fraternity but i was in doing broadcasting at that time and um it required a lot of time it just seemed to conflict with the fraternity and i told them i just i wanted out but for some reason I, they still let me come to all, all the parties and have fun oh so i still got like the bonus of like the benefits of being in the fraternity was sure. like having to do all the work yeah so you kind of got the easy end of that right got off track did you go through like the process of becoming a f- no so that's i quit like the day before oh that, so like you the, didn't get what haze, they call the hell you, the hell yeah. week yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i quit like the, the, day, the day before that yeah because i'm like if i'm gonna quit i'm gonna quit before that starts that's probably a good idea all right but then they still let you kick it yeah that's fair so so you still got you got you got the party life got the party life had the head fun what were you studying i was studying uh broadcasting oh okay at northwest missouri state yeah and then didn't really i kind of got d- discouraged from that when some guy i think it was from a q104 came up and started talking about how you're gonna have to work at all these little piddly stations all across the country before you ever go to a big station and you're gonna have to move a lot and i told you like i'm from liberty i grew up in liberty i yeah. didn't like the thought of 
moving around because uh, most of my family lives in Kentucky, and so I didn't get to see them about once a year. And I wanted my family and my kids to be in a position where grandparents were close, that they could build that relationship with their their, parent, their grandparents so they're around more. Sure. So I didn't want to travel and go quirky and just travel the country. Yeah, see, I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, go as far away. Did you see on my whiteboard up there? I said, it says, move to Texas. And I've got a yes or a no. Basically, I've been putting marks at the end of the day, whether I want to move to Texas or not. And I figure within like six months, I'll look at it and be like, okay, there's more tallies. Right. And that's my determiner right there. It's like, I like, I would like to, I would like to go far, far away. You probably already know if you got to get You're going to Texas. I can already tell. I don't know, man. That sounds like it. I, I do like me some Texas. So I don't know, man. It's never permanent. It, yeah. That's that. If you go and you don't like it, eh, you can come back. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully my mother doesn't hear this because she won't like that. <laughs> she won't like that one bit. But in college, studying broadcasting. So like this kind of interests you then. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah. That's why I was talking about like doing your own YouTube channel or something like that. Were you the guy who was the anchor or were you dealing so, more with the back end? So I did camera stuff for the t- TV, but then I was also a disc jockey on the radio station, <laughs> what? which was like a top 40 rock and roll station. So yeah, sure. So, so, I was a DJ for a little while. Yeah, ago. Was, and we had to like record ourselves, which was really weird because you had to like listen to yourself and say, "How would I say? You know, how would I pronounce this better? Do I need to talk slower? Do I need to talk faster?" So you always had to have a tape of yourself when you went to the next class. Sure. So they could critique you. We got to stop talking about broadcasting because now I'm getting like really like <laughs> concerned about whether or not my voice is loud enough. Is my voice loud enough? Okay. All right. Okay, because this this seems like better. Right? It better. Do you, better. Yeah. And you a little bit further away. Okay. See, we can't we can't talk about broadcasting. We could. <laughs> so you were you were done with broadcast? You did you do the four years studying no. broadcasting? No. So you um, switched to criminal justice, or did you? So then I, I went into architecture. Yeah. And I thought, foo, that that's too hard. Um, didn't really know what direction I want to do, so I kind of just bailed on college for a while. Okay. Uh, my summer jobs for a while was working at William Jewell, um, doing whatever with other kids in the summer cruise. Yeah. Um, didn't know what I really wanted to do, so the college offered me. They're like, hey, you know what you do? If you work here as a full-time employee, college is free. Hey. So I decided that was a good option for I don't know what I want to do yet. So, But I always had like the policing thing in the back of my mind. Um, military policing, something like that, service to country, service to community, always was service-oriented somewhere. Didn't quite know how that was going to work. Being an only child, my mom was like, no, you can't do military. No, you can't be the police because something bad will happen to you. Naturally. So kind of in that limbo, didn't pursue any of those because I didn't have that support mechanism from my family. Like, yeah, do that. You know, that sounds great. so I didn't pursue those. So that's kind of like, okay, William Jewell's a good option. I'll go work there. I can get school for free. I can take classes at my leisure, and then wherever the road may take me. Yeah. Did you did you meet your wife at William Jewell? I did not. I met my wife at church. Okay. So were you going to you were going to church after like while you were at William Jewell mm-hmm. here in Liberty? Yep. Which one? Second Baptist Church. Second Baptist. It's the one down there by the police station. Huh. I'm trying to think of where that's at. It's uh, right there on Lightburn, the corner of Kansas and Lightburn. 
it has the very stately columns, kind of like it looks kind of like a William oh, Jewell building. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Bulig. Yes. You go to church with him. Yes. Okay. Played soccer with his son. Okay. Okay. He was yeah. a pastor there, wasn't he? I think he, he he helped out a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about going back to church. You should. I don't, I don't really. I I've been to a lot of different churches and just everything doesn't seem especially right now <laughs> we are in your shoes yeah yeah so we had this or will you make me wear a mask yeah exactly i i know most of them that's kind of an option like okay i don't it's really hard to sit around to wear a mask for like a long period of time yeah um so we kind of went through this like well i know you, for you you're fidgeting so right. like you, with the thing and the oh i know get me out of here right <laughs> can't breathe with that and just like i want to see somebody's face right i want to see if they're smiling at me are they pissed <laughs> off at me right how can i read this person if i can't see whether or not like you could be thinking you're having the greatest conversation with something somebody in reality they're like get this person away from me it's like well i what kind of faces are they making at me under that mask <laughs> you gotta watch their eyes too like, right but some people look happy. Are you smiling at me or are you frowning at me? Yeah, or? some people have happy eyes while they're, you know, if they're angry and angry eyes if they're, you know what I mean? Right. Because angry eyes kind of look like you're thinking very deeply. Right. Or it means like, could could you stop talking to me? Right. Right? Or like really surprised eyes is like, that could mean like, oh yeah, you're surprised or you're really freaking me out. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So... Anyway, we went off on a tangent. Uh, that's what guys do. Yeah. So, okay, I'm definitely going to check that out. All right. Aside from that, you so you went there. How many years have you gone there? Then? We went there most of my adult, or most of, from like the time I like three years old till the time I was thirty. Yeah. So a good section. Okay. Right. And they, then whenever you were in Northwest, did you go to did you go to any colleges or did, did you have like a men's group or something? Did, did that like the Baptist Student Union and then they had the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Okay. I would do that type of stuff. Okay. Never it was always weird to go to a different church that wasn't yours, especially sometimes like a Baptist church like you sit down in the seat and they're like people walk by and you're just like that's my seat. I sit there every year for the last 15 years <laughs> and now there's some guy I don't know sitting in my seat, some young college kid. Because I know everywhere I've ever gone to church, everybody sits in the same seat every week. See, see, I would mess, I would mix that up. Oh, I, I, we I typically think, do. I think that that should be something that first thing pastor says is when you come in is like, take a seat where you haven't sat before. Sit beside somebody you haven't met. Yeah. Right. Or you have to wear three masks. Yeah. So we've been <laughs> we've been kind of church hunting. We've in and out of a small church. Um, Texas. There's right. plenty of churches yeah. down there. Uh, been to Pleasant Valley a lot. Currently kind of stick with with Pleasant Valley Baptist Church. But just never have found like that cor- that church that we just call home, right? Other churches, have they served us or they fed us, but no place to go. Yes, this is home. It just seems like in today's church world, I remember growing up, especially with my there was all these things that led up to the sermon. There were the reading of scripture. There was a special. There were people that would sing. Nowadays, it seems like you walk in, you sing for 40 minutes, and then there's a sermon, and then you go home. And you're like, I don't want to sing for like 35 minutes straight, right? And then all of a sudden, there's a sermon, and you go home. It seems, seems very – and it seems like a lot of churches nowadays are hitting 
the the new Christian or the non-believer. And I'm like, but I've been a Christian for a long time. I need some meat. Yeah. I need some meat. Yeah. Right. And I'm, I'm getting a sermon that I, great. The, the, it's really good, but I've heard this 25 times already. Can I share this with yes. you? This is, this is, this is tough for me to share. I'm not going to name which church it was, but I went to this church, me and my buddy, I hit up my buddy. I was like, Hey, you know, you talked about going to church with me or whatever. So like, let's go to this church. Let's go to, let's go to one. So not one, this one specifically. And so we go there and I walk in there. And the first thing that I get is not, how you doing? Do you have a mask? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I put, I could take the mask, I put it on. And then I go into the, the sanctuary and I'm like, all right, we're like sitting in the back corner and it's like no lights. It's like just pitch black. And then just like some lights, every, they have like this selling bakery stuff and, I'm worried now that I'm speaking to you that there are going to be people watching from Liberty. <laughs> They're going to be like, I know exactly which one he's talking to. And that's the reason why I don't ever go to that church. And I might have to stop there. But anyway, what happened was not a sermon. It was just a performance. Right. You feel like you're being entertained. Think. Yeah, it was entirely. And I mean, like, it was a performance. Like, you feel like you're Branson and you're at a show. And they're, you're sitting there being entertained. And when it's over, you get up and go home. You're like, oh, that was a decent performance today. Yeah. So to bring this back to okay. college, okay. meat, where did you find that, that you know, because you grew up with it in your life. Right. I mean, so it was my foundation. You, you memorized verses since you were 11 years old. <laughs> right. Like the the verse about taking the the thing out of your eye because somebody had, when right. you had what is that one? Taking the log out of your your. your well, I'm putting you, yeah, putting you on the spot. And so you can never remember those when you're on the spot. You know, take the log out of your own eye or something. Which book? Yeah, right. Yeah. You can't remember. Okay. Well, you, 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 right. So, so, so then how do you get to college? And then you're like, okay, now what God? Right. Cause I felt like I don't know what I should be doing, Yeah. but I did always have in the back of my mind, I said like that, that servant public leadership, like I wanted to do something for my community. Sure. And I had some. Um, and an older couple of older friends that were police officers, and that really intrigued me. Like, ooh, that sounds cool, right? That sounds like something I don't want to do. But if I am a police officer, I'm probably going to be a different police officer than most people have ever seen. And that's what because the usual. I'll just I'll just go ahead and say it. The usual police officer is the guy that went through high school and like he was a jerk, and then he didn't. If, go through college or anything like that and then he just didn't have the balls to move away from home and then he ended up being a cop because he just hates everyone and he wants to get back at everyone no not true <laughs> come on i'd say i'd say a good portion of our um a okay lot that's of, the perspective a of lot the, of perspective of the public that's not my first let me a good i know that you're strapped a good perspective hold on here okay that's not my perspective i've just like that was public perception yes okay. exactly public perception of 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 what it, so anyway so a lot of guys in the department were former military sure right because you're used to that structure the militaristic part of it you'll find a lot of guys in policing came from the military side yeah for the same type of reason um you will find a good portion of police officers it was something they really wanted to do um to make it for me it was to make a difference yeah a lot of people say because i want to help people well to me that's just part of it but i wanted to make a difference sure and so um i don't feel like I feel like that was a different take from what most people wanted to do. And I think at first it was people like, that's weird, right? We just go on these calls and we take the call and then we move on. 
No, I want to solve the problem. You want to protect, serve, and right. do good. I, I don't want to come back here again. I want to figure out why we're here. And if it takes me an extra 20 minutes, then let's figure this out because maybe we never have to come back again. So like domestic right. calls, you would handle them a little bit differently. You would have that approach. Like that I remember on a domestic call telling a couple after we'd been there several times, when's the last time you guys went to church? And they're like, oh, man, officer, it's <laughs> it's been a while. And they're like, I'm like, well, maybe that's a good place to start your healing process. Um, and I still remember leaving the call and an officer's like, you, you know, you can't talk to people about religious stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, I can. I just can't talk to you about religious stuff. And I didn't tell them to go find Jesus. I just told them to go to church. It could have been a mosque. It could have been a Hindu temple. It could have been something. I just told them to go to church. Yeah. I didn't tell them anything. Isn't that crazy? But I would tell you what, that's really super cool about that couple. Um, years later, my wife and I were out to eat. And uh, this waitress said, there's a couple that wants to pay for your dinner. They did. And it was that couple that came up years later. And they looked at my wife. And they're like, we just wanted to let you know that your husband saved our marriage. What? And I still see that couple all around the city today. And they're still together <laughs> to make a difference. I like that. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. I'm going to reprove you. Okay. It wasn't you, man. It was something working inside you. Exactly. I'm just the instrument. Yeah. Right. I'm just the tool. Yeah. Yep. Use me. I, that's one of my prayers every morning. God, I don't work for man. I work for you. Yeah. Lead me, guide me, direct me. Let me be in the right place at the right time that you can use me as your instrument. Let me be your light in the darkness. That's kind of one of my morning prayers. And on the streets, you can still talk to people today. They're like, man, Bradshaw always, always seems to be like in the right place at the right time. When a call comes out, he's like right there. Bad guy's running. He's right there. And I, I learned, I had heard, oh, he was a retired lieutenant from LAPD. I, I have tried to figure out his name because I loved the story. but Because it, it locked into me, I think it was in the police academy when I heard it, that I'm like, that's the type of police officer I want to be. So he was on patrol in like South LA. And he's like, it was back in the 70s. And he said, still when they had like gas station attendants. And he said, you know, they wore the uniform, the caps. And he's like, he was driving down the street and he passes by a gas station attendant in the uniform and hat running down the street. He goes, well, in my world, that would be a clue that something's not right because that's not normal. He said about 10 yards in front of him, he sees a man running away from the gas station attendant, but his hands are full of money. He's like, well, I'm a police officer. That would be a clue. And he must have just robbed the Skelly station. <laughs> so I can't remember the clothing description, but it was kind of like white male, blue hat, red shirt, white shorts, you know. And so he runs up there and gets this guy in custody, puts the guy in the car. He's got him handcuffed. He's securing the door, dispatched on the radio. 1865, 1865, armed robbery in progress at the Skelly station, man, wearing a red hat, red shirt, and white shorts. <laughs> Suspect in custody. 8625 go ahead repeat suspect in custody and i just remember thinking that's i want to be that guy i want to be that guy because that's god talking to you that's that internal voice telling you what to do and the first time i ever heard it on the streets i questioned it but i've never questioned it since yeah and i still remember that first time do we want to hear that what's that you want to hear the first time i ever heard the voice (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I was on patrol. I liked working nights. That's where the weird things happen. Yeah. But I'm really, I was really, I'm really good at getting drunk drivers off the streets. And for, for, for I thought you were about to just say you were really good at getting drunk. No, drunk drivers. Do you drink? No. Okay. Occasionally, very rare. Shame on you. No. I'm yeah. Kidding. Very rare. Um, it gives me a bad attitude. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it's actually a depressant. So I was on patrol. I was sitting at this. So and I got to drink a Coca-Cola right, with it. Th- th- I'm good with that. And it's like right. a caffeine with the. Anyway, go on. Sitting at the intersection of Clayview in Kansas, like right across from like Walgreens. Yeah. Over there by the junior high? Yes. Well, yeah. Just down from the junior high. Okay. Yeah. And I remember I was getting ready to turn uh, east onto Kansas Street, yeah. like towards the junior high. Mm-hmm. And there was a black SUV sitting at the stoplight headed westbound Kansas Street, but they were going to turn southbound onto 291. And I remember hearing this voice going, you need to stop that black SUV. It's a drunk driver. And I remember going, okay, God, um, the car is just sitting still. And I really can't just stop a car that's sitting still. But okay, I'll listen. I'll play the game. I turned my car right instead of left, and I pulled in behind the SUV. The light turned green, and he made this really wide, super wide turn, bounced off the curb. All right, I got a reason to stop him. Lit up, lit him up, walked up to the car, stone cold drunk. From that day on, I'm like, all right, God, I'm listening. I'm going to be obedient. Okay, so you gave me some numbers, some crazy numbers, and I love statistics. The chances of him hurting himself or hurting someone else, what, what are those? Oh, what is it? Like three out of every 10 drivers at night are like impaired. It's something crazy like that. I haven't looked it up recently, but like I will tell you, more than 10,000 people a year are killed by drunk drivers. Actually, more people are killed by drunk drivers than people are killed with guns. Because uh, a lot of gun stats lump in suicide into it. Sure. So it really runs up the numbers. But statistically, the. the the odds that it, you're going to be killed by a, murdered by a gun is like probably at 2,000 people a year, 2,500 people a year. But it's over 10,000 people die by a drunk driver every year. To me, when I heard the call of a possible drunk driver, I took that just like a gun call. Okay. That's a 4,000-pound bullet. Yeah. And it could kill five people in one shot. So I always took that very seriously. So then jumping back to in that moment where okay. you pulled him over and like— what was what was going on in your mind then at the time? Like you were like, this. Oh my gosh, I was right, or like, oh my gosh, like this is. Oh my gosh, God, I'm going to listen from now on. <laughs> you are right. I am wrong. I should be obedient and listen to you. What was it? Was this like a tingling sensation that said, "Hey, this"? You never like you hear yourself talking. You're like, okay, is that me? communicating to myself or is that god talking right yeah because i get it in the shower whenever i'm thinking to myself but it definitely did not feel like i was talking to myself what do i need to do you asked me earlier on like what right the start i think it started in the shower where it kind of just like light me lots of things struck me there and then it was just like hey you have all these cameras you need to just you need to just push record and then have people share their experiences that otherwise may not share them you know publicly because Somebody once told me is that you, it's better for some, one person to read your book in a hundred years for a hundred people to read your book in one year. And like that struck me hard. I was like, huh? So what you're saying is that, you know, wait, the internet, if this is going to be here in a hundred years or archived or whatever, 
and there's one person that sees you sharing your story and then it like moves them like what is that that's what i'm going for right sorry we're all over the place well it's kind of like popped in my head the lapd retired lapd with his story that sent me on the path of that's what i'm doing yeah Right. That's so you didn't hear that story until you didn't. Did you hear that at the police academy or did you hear that? I heard it. I think I was pretty sure I heard that story just before the police academy. Okay. You know, I knew I was getting ready to go to the police academy, preparing myself. And how old were you then? I was 33. Kind of getting late into the game. Um, There's a story behind. What do you do? Do up to 33. Okay. So I I continued working at William Jewell, continued taking classes. Never really got a degree, but ended up with like 125 hours because when you transfer from a. a state school to a private school, the classes don't necessarily transfer. So, like that three-hour class you took at Northwest Missouri State, it really needed to be a four-hour class to meet William Jewell requirements. Sure. So you're like, Ugh. so you end up with all these hours and like no degree, right? And you're like, yeah, bummer. But um, during that time, I met my wife. Okay. Um, while you were working there and going wor- to school. While I was working, going to school, met okay. my wife at church, and. Told him, you know, of course, when you're dating somebody, you start telling each other, oh, this is my ambition. You know, I'm like 28 years old at this time that I met my wife. What's my life ambition? You're, you're sharing your dreams, right? That makes me feel like I still have a chance. You still have. I was the last one of my friends to get married. I get married. We got married when I was 30. Okay. So you're good. Okay. You are so good. You're still good. I got one, good. one year to find a girl. Hey, get married. My best friend has never been married yet. So you're, you're still good. <laughs> okay. So, um, She's like, okay, if you want to be a police officer, go for it. Really? Yeah. And she she gave me that like that backing, like the little shove, push forward. So I started pursuing it. Yeah. And I applied at Liberty and Independence in Kansas City. Hey, pull back from the mic a little bit. Sure. You're right. You are pretty loud. Yeah. <laughs> um, Independence in Kansas City and stuff like that. Uh, but, you know, when you start to do something and something doesn't feel right in your gut, like, oh, I shouldn't do this or I shouldn't work here. Or, My early 20s. Yeah, right. So yeah. every time I like go to a different agency besides Liberty, it just didn't feel right. Yeah. So I'm like, fooey with all them. I'm going to concentrate on just Liberty. Yeah. Well, at that time, Liberty was like super competitive. Like we'd have one position open and there'd be 100 people apply. And you'd be in there. I got to be the one, right? And so I took the test a couple of times, did okay the first time, did a little bit better the second time, um, but was growing very frustrated because I was like, all right, God. Because it was competitive at this time, oh, right? Oh, super competitive, was, right? I mean, this was a hundred, hundred some people going for one position, and yeah, it was still the, you know. And what was the position? Just patrol officer. Oh, right. Really? Entry-level patrol officer. And so tons of people wanting to do it. But I started getting really upset because I'm like, all right, God. You place it on this my heart to be a police officer. I have tried, and it hasn't worked out. Fooey with this. I'm quitting. I kid you not, that night, knock on my door. Open the door. It was one of my friends that was a Liberty Cop. Okay, that's weird. The very moment I say I'm going to give up the dream, the cop shows up at my house. Yeah. And that started happening. The more I got irritated and the more I say I'm going to quit, a Liberty police car would drive in front of me. <laughs> I was like, okay, I got it, God. I got it. I got it. So, actually, I was still working at William Jewell, and I was driving around on the backside of the campus, and I still remember just really being by myself and just praying really hard. All right, God, I don't, I don't get this. You laid this on my heart to be a police officer. It's not working. Um, I give it all to you. 
And I remember just throwing up my hands. I'm like, it's yours. Take it. I, I, you want me to do this? Car's I, parked, right? I, right. I parked okay. the car, right? Um, it's yours. Yeah. Take it. You drive the bus. Yeah. I kid you not. The next morning, I get a phone call from the chief of police who offered me a job less than 24 hours after I told God he could have it all. And I took my hand off that steering wheel that night. And when I let him drive the bus, he delivered. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's what it took. Dang it. Why did I keep holding on that string well so long? I could have let go. But it, a delay is not a denial. He wasn't denying me. He was delaying me to wait till it was the perfect time. Yeah. And he allowed that to happen at the perfect time. And I would never change anything that happened before because then I don't have that story. And I think that's super cool that I realized it just took me letting him drive the bus the whole time. It the there's there's one there's one just over and over in my head is is that in Matthew 5 is the beatitudes. Do you know what beatitudes means by the way? I used to. I don't know but I think the beatitudes is like what should happen every single like what you're explaining was essentially when you throw your hands up like that like that's when I think of like the beatitudes is that is that 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 is blessed is the poor in spirit. Right. Blessed right. are those who are meek. Blessed are those who, uh, and it's just, it's just like, you're like poor in spirit. Like, okay. Okay. God, I, I, I'm absolutely poor. I, I've, I've nothing in me to, to, to give. I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm at. So, okay. And then for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So like in that moment, did you feel like that yeah. was, that was the kingdom of heaven? Right. Yeah. It's like, This is right. It felt. Yeah. It, it all of a sudden, everything felt right. Like everything you were fighting, that just kind of went away. It just felt at ease. So my question is for that is that then, you know, there's an artist, Jason Mraz. He he said it. The, it wouldn't be so sunny if there wasn't a shadow. So what kept you? What what pulled you away from that then? Because then it's like something like that happens to you, and then it's like. It's as if like we now I'm getting like really deep and like psychedelic here. Yeah, don't go don't go too deep. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to keep I'm it on the surface. I'm a simple the guy. <laughs> I got it. But but it's just it's just whenever whenever something like that happens is that is that it, it seems like you um you know the moment that you believe that that it was you and not God is that you believe that you created that moment. And so like you can recreate that moment and then you start to work backwards just so that you can get back to that forwards right there. You get what I'm saying when I say that? Kind of. Yeah. Like maybe I sound a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) this is just water. I swear. (laughs) We do realize though, in the moment, like maybe why there was the delay, you start realizing like, by working at the college, I had to deal with a lot of people. Yeah. Right. And I learned how to deal with people from just the student to the president. Right. Sure. So I learned how to really, that's where I got my communication skills down was just talking to people. And I realized I could talk to anybody at any level. It didn't matter what group I was with. I could talk to people and being a police officer. That's like our voices are our biggest tool. Yeah. Right. If I can bring a situation down by using my voice, that's what I'm looking for. Because a lot of times, you know, you walk into a very hostile situation, you got to be able to, you're supposed to, 
a, a wise old police officer once told me, he said, we used to call you guys peace officers because your job was to keep the peace. And I always remember that. So anytime I've ever stepped into a situation, I'm here to keep the peace at all costs, right? I need to keep the peace. Yeah. Blessed is the peacemaker. All right. <laughs> right. And not to create more chaos. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So did, was there any a time after that, that chaos felt like it was upon you? <laughs> you know, n- no, not during the police academy or anything, you know, um, has Satan tested me at numerous times? Yeah. 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 Of course that's, I mean, that's our daily routine, right? Spill the beans. Uh, we have, and I'm, I'm not putting you on the spot here. There's plenty of times that, yeah, that don't, don't spill your beans. Right. <laughs> Spill the good stuff. Tell me what happened after that. Then, so, so uh, you, then after that, you're like next day. You know, chief's like, you're, he actually came to my house. Yeah, offered me the job on my doorstep, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> yes, right, yes. Yeah. So then comes the police academy. Um, I listen to one of the local Christian stations here every morning because the police got radio on radio. Yes. Bot? No, eighty-eight five. Oh, okay. I've been listening to Bot. It's based out of Overland Park. It's crazy that. Have you heard of it? No, but the other ones that I to was based out of Overland Park. I'm pretty sure. You sure it's not Bot Radio? I'm not. Life eighty eight five. I don't. I, I really. I don't. So, but always got well, myself. I've got like I've right. got like a radio from like the 1990s. So like you can't tell what the station right, is. Right, right. Of course, like, it's like somewhere in the hundreds. I don't know, but so just listen to it all the way every, every morning because the academy was downtown Kansas City. We sure. go, we go to KCPD's academy. Um, it, it gave me that, that good 35-minute prayer time going in. It got me through all the tough stuff, the hard things, just really focused on that because I'm like, okay, if God wanted me to be here, this is my calling, and I let him drive the bus, then I need to get my heart ready every day. You weren't really driving a bus, though, were you? No. What were you driving? I was driving a truck. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, God drives the bus, you know. I see, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you see. No, so the only thing that is over and over in my head is Jesus take the wheel. Right, yeah, yeah. You know who sings Cheryl that, right? Crow. Cheryl Crow. Yeah, let's leave it that way, right? <laughs> it's uh, Carrie Underwood. Oh yeah, Carrie I knew Underwood. You're yes. gonna pull that. Yeah. So um just prepared my heart every day just to, to be a Christ like put Christ first in in all pleasing. Yeah. Right. To to focus on that. To make a difference. So is there guys in the so Going back to then, so then after that, that's whenever you're like, okay, God, now do I marry this woman? Right. So we got married before the police academy and all that, but yeah, she got me through, uh, gave me that support system I needed. Um, what was she doing? What was she doing? She was the manager of some type of dental organization at the time. But it's interesting, like my career, I've, I've saved the lives of several people, but I always tell her. You actually saved those people too, because if it wasn't for your support and your being there for me during, like, wanting me, helping me become live my dream, being there during the police academy, those people never get saved because I'm not there because I don't get hired, right? I never apply. I'm trying to think of if I've saved anybody's life, but you, you have. You don't actually- know. I mean, I know the the lives I've saved, but you don't know that you could have saved or somebody's not saved. Sometimes we just don't know those things. It's, like sometimes that, it's maybe better that you don't like know those things. Like the couple that I saved their marriage. I didn't know that for like five years later. Yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, I've had that story happen to me over and over and over again. And a couple of years ago, I had just like the most amazing story that just 
was totally God. And it was like, all right, I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Can we hear that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. You want to hear that yeah, one? Hear that this one. is like, there's a, there's some really amazing God stories th- that I've lived as a career, as a police officer, but this is like the keeper for me. Do the other officers see you and they're like, what does this, does this happen? Does this, does this uniquely happen to, I, you know, cause I, I don't know. Cause you know, just, I, like I said, I just happened to be that guy that the right place at the right time. Always the right place at the right time. Right. Sure. Or, you know, it's, it falls right in your lap. Um, this day I was working at the schools as an SRO and, um, the patrol was looking for a runaway student who had special needs who went to Liberty high school and they knew I had built a relationship with him. So they kind of like, Hey, Bradshaw, you mind coming help us look for this kid? Cause we find him. We know that you're going to be able to communicate with him. We found him a few miles away, and I remember it was at one of the local, it was up at Belvoir Winery is where we found him. So it was a couple of miles from his home. Oh, dang. And we were, he talked to his caseworker, and he was a ward of the state. Um, we had called him. They were going to meet us at the station. And then I'm getting ready to load this young man into my patrol car, this, like, gut-wrenching, I need to go feeling, like, I need to get out of here. Something's bad's going to happen at my school or something, like... I need to go, right? Something, you know, like that urgency of like, I need to go. I need to leave. Sure. That urgency really came upon Your me. Your heartbeat. Right. So I looked like, at one of the officers. I'm like, hey, I hate to slam you with some paperwork and stuff, but could you got, could you take this guy to the station? I just really feel like I got to get back to my school. And he's like, sure, you know, no, no problems. Got my patrol car, started headed back down 291, and I got to this intersection where I would typically turn left to go back to the school. And that little God voice that I had heard from that very first time with the black SUV, I've been hearing it for years now, and I know to be very obedient to that voice. Sure. So as soon as I hear it now, I don't even hesitate. So the voice tells me, go straight. All right. <laughs> I'm going straight okay. because that's what God told me to do because I know I've been obedient enough. I know what that sounds like. I'm driving straight, and as I'm driving straight, I see it at the intersection of 291 in Kansas, a black man pushing a bicycle, and he's trying to navigate it through the tra- the traffic. And he's an older guy, and I'm like, oh, that's why I'm here, right? I'm here to make sure he gets safely across the street. Got it. But I turned on my lights, and traffic wouldn't yield to me. And I found myself not being able to get over to help him, had to run through the intersection, and I had to do like a Yui. But as I'm doing a Yui to come back to him, I see he makes his way all the way through the traffic and gets on the other side of the street. Sure. So I was like rubbing my hands together. I'm like, all right, God, that's why I'm here. I was just here enough to make, divert enough attention that he safely got across the street. And then that little voice in my head said, go check on him. Okay, I'll go check on him. Yeah. But I remember I had some of that little SUV moment where I'm like, oh, God, he's in a parking lot, and he looks really safe. But okay, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to go check on him. I pull in the lot, and I've never said this to anybody in my entire career. I roll up to him, this you know white kid from the suburbs who's a police officer, rolling to an elderly black man, you know, rolled down my window, pulled up beside him. I said, the Lord told me to check on you. And he looks at me and just starts crying. He goes, I've been praying for the last 10 minutes that somebody would come and help me. I was like, awesome. So I get out of the car. He's got a bike. His story is that he had rode the, the Metro bus up to Liberty for, and did not realize as the buses only ran in the mornings and the evenings. But he needed to get back home to inner city, Kansas City. I said, where do you need to go? I'm your taxi. 
He goes, if you can just get me to a bus station where I can get the bus back to home, it'd be great. I'm like, you name it. He goes, I'm just down here at Harris Casino. There's a bus station and I can, that will pick up my bike too. So I load up his bike into my patrol car and the conversations we had throughout that were just awesome. Here's this white kid from the suburbs and the black man that's always lived in the inner city having great conversations about life. It didn't matter <laughs> economics or geographic location, skull of skin or police officer or not. It was just two men having a really good conversation and we just listened to each other and it was really important. Um, we did some selfies together at the end and um, he has this little red hat that says i love jesus and uh, we actually exchanged phone numbers and for the longest time he would text me like bible verses every morning and occasionally he would call me and it kind of got to be like my spiritual mentor for a while <laughs> and um we even i got to introduce him to my family later that year we invited him to come eat dinner with us at crown center as we were going down there for christmas yeah and we got to interact with him and um said goodbye to him that night and let alone did I ever know that that would be the last time I ever talked to him or the last time I ever would see him. He just disappeared and I would call his number when it would ring and never, and then text him and nothing. And then people would answer his phone and said, no, that's not this guy's phone number or whatever. And I'm like, what the heck? So I had heard that he said that one time he lived at the city union mission. So I called down there and they're like, yeah, this guy was here, but he left and we haven't seen him in weeks. And honestly, that was like two and a half years ago. I haven't heard of seeing from the guy ever since, even though I've tried to reach out to him. And I just, I wondered. So what you're saying is he's an angel. Don't know. I, I We like to think that. Do you believe like angels Heck yeah. like yes. walk on the earth like regular human beings? I think they would be put here for a specific reason, right? Yeah. I don't think they're just going to live here with amongst us. Sure. I mean, do I think they're sitting here with us? Sure. Thomas? But, Thomas. But, you know, I think they're put here for a reason. Yeah. You know, is that a test? It just is it, an amazing story. Just like, I'm like, where is this guy? And I even sent all my friends that work in the inner city looking for him. Nobody could ever find him. Do you remember his name? Brother Harris is the only thing I remember. <laughs> That's what we called him. Well, Brother Harris, if you're listening. Thank you, Brother hit Harris. Up Rob. Hit, up, hit, up, hit up Rob. I still got your digits. That's great. Do you, did, you, did you ever work down in Kansas City? Or have you always been up in I've Liberty? always worked just in Liberty. It's in my hometown, it makes it a little bit different to work. Uh, you take a little more value in it. It's not just a job. You're protecting your friends, your family, your community where you grew up. So sure. a little more stake in the game. Yeah. Did you, did you ever, I, I remember speaking to a, gosh, I can't think of his name. Wayne? You know what's her name? Wayne? Younger, older? Older. Like. Mm. He was, he was a police chief of Holt County. And he told us that he got asked to be like a chief up there or something. Did you ever get any kind of opportunities like that? I did not. No? No. Well, would you ever be the police chief? I, I like the guy that m makes the product on the shop floor. I don't want to manage the people that make the products on the shop floor. Why not? Have you ever considered getting into politics and like becoming the mayor? Never. No? Why not? I'm like the worker bee. I like to get my hands dirty. So kinda, I kind of compare it to like, I said I have a car hobby and we sure. like to work on cars. And the tradition is my dad comes over, my son, come, my son when he's home, on Sundays we work on cars. Yeah. 
And it would, I would feel like it would be like me taking the role of watching my dad and watching my son work on the car where I manage what they do on the car. Now, I still want to be in there working on the car. Sure. So that's kind of just the way I take. Um, you hear me. I like to talk a lot. I don't know that I could keep my mouth shut enough to be a, a manager, just <laughs> let people do their jobs. You mean a politician? <laughs> be pretty truthful to where you would, yeah, couldn't keep all those promises. I Go for it. I would never make the promises I couldn't keep. I w- that's the problem. I could never be a politician because I can't lie. Yeah. I'm a horrible liar. I'm, Do you, that's why I don't play poker. I'm the guy that are like, yeah, he's got I'm a bad I'm just curious. If you, can you be a politician and tell the truth? I don't know. Um, I had a friend that was a, a lawyer. Yeah. Not against anything lawyers because a lot of my friends are lawyers. Um, he quit being a lawyer because he just found it really hard to say, I found it hard to be a good Christian and a good lawyer. And that's he never went more into it other than that. And he, in fact, when he left being a lawyer, he became a pastor. That's so tough. So... And people ask me all the time, how can you be a police officer and you be a Christian? My response usually is, how can I not? (laughs) Right? Yeah. Because all the bad things we see all the time, I have God to go to. If you're not a Christian and you don't have God to go to and you've seen all those horrible things, what are you doing with all that stuff? You do see some pretty messy stuff out Mm -hmm. there, don't you? How do you deal with that? Um, just recently in October, probably one of the worst things that ever happened to me happened. Um, a kid like you that I knew, um, he was actually a senior in high school. I was on my way to pick up my son from his school, and um, I'm still in my patrol car, and I see like three cars parked along this roadway on a backcountry road outside of Liberty. And police work, we call that a clue, right? There's people getting outside the cars, running over to a field. I look to my right, and I see a vehicle that's obviously rolled several times and, and smashed into a tree. Um, I look over there. I call it in real quick, call, get dispatched. I call it and fire an ambulance and other police units to assist. And I go running over there, and it's a former student that's standing there. And he's like, Bratcher, Bratcher, help my friend, help my friend. And I knew the friend, too. And I could tell pretty much right away that the, the friend was in really bad shape i mean i've seen a lot of bad things with police officer i've seen death enough um he was in bad shape and i'm calling in the dispatch and i'm no we have a a person that's in really bad shape you know step off that bus and i remember them the the sirens just seemed like they take took forever to get there and i've kind of got his head up because he's in a weird position and he's bleeding a lot and i've got my hand on his my right hand on his wrist i'm i've got a really good pulse i'm like okay he looks bad but i got hope um, about the time the, the fire truck pulled up, I started losing his pulse. And by the time the firemen were getting out of the truck, his pulse just went away. And then there was just, the damage was done. There was just nothing he could do. I've seen, like I said, I've seen death enough, but I've never been there and got there when somebody was alive and then they passed. And then to have known them when they were like a middle school kid, you know, I saw him walk in the halls. I knew him by name. Um, I didn't realize what a toll it kind of took on me. A couple of days I was doing good, but then it just seemed like I started struggling and I didn't, I wasn't putting that with it. I, I did reach out to, it was, here's, here's a God thing for you. My pastor that night of the incident texted me and says, I heard what happened. I'm available if you want to talk. How'd he know, right? How'd he know that I was there, right? But God. 
Yeah. And I was so thankful. I've been in a dark spots before and I knew that, Hey, I need to get ahead of this. I need to go talk to people before I need to talk to people. Sure. So I started talking to people and really kind of worked through it. Um, but didn't realize that I hadn't quite got all of myself or all the way through it until I was reading my wife's Christmas letter. And she mentioned that in there. And when I read that in the Christmas letter, I just started bawling. I couldn't stop crying. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm a tough warrior. What am I doing? I'm crying like a baby. And it was just because I needed to. And it seemed like ever since that night after I read the Christmas letter, I was like, okay, I feel better about it. Yeah. So you have people that you speak to and share details of yes. like the things that you've experienced. Most definitely. Really? Because you have to have that. Yeah. As a police officer, the, the stuff that we see, we cannot unsee. So that's just interesting to me is that you have to share those things with people. Um, have you seen then in, in, in the force where, where people who may hold that in and the damages that that can cause somebody is that when they don't share that? Yes. I mean, I did that myself Yeah. once and yeah, I mean, it leads to, you know, uh, substance abuse. It leads to failed marriages. <clears throat> it leads to uh, poor decision-making as a, in, in the field, you know, cause you're, you're struggling with these demons. So I always try to be the type of person that when I see somebody making poor decisions, even students at school, what's the real root cause of this? Are they just a bad person or are they making bad decisions because if they have some other circumstance going on in their life, that just affects everything. Right. And so you do have to have that outlet to be able to pour out to people. You got to rip that thing off your chest. And that's why I'm like, I don't know how I could do this for me, myself. I couldn't be a police officer and not be a Christian because I have God to go to. I God, you know what I saw. And I would tell you, um, there are definitely spirits in people. I've seen dead bodies enough that um, you realize there is a soul. You can tell when it's gone. And so, you know, just being to have, be have that conversation with God, like, okay, I feel good. Their, their soul's gone. It's just, it's just a body. So that's an interesting outlook. Yeah. Um, so you became the police officer, you, you were married and then you decided to have kids. What is that like? Having kids and being on the police department, very difficult. Um, because as a police officer, when you're younger, your career, you typically work the midnight shift a lot. Sure. So you want to do what during the day? Sleep. Yeah. What do kids want to do during the day? Be Sleep. kids. <laughs> You learn to sleep with very little, you know, four or five hours a day, maybe, which makes for grumpy people. Um, I worked the streets for several years before I worked in the schools. When I worked in the schools and started getting a normal schedule and sleeping at night like everybody else does, I remember after about three months going, wow, I feel really good. This is what it's, this is what it's supposed to feel like, right? So how many hours of sleep did you get? Like on patrol, yeah. Like so, when you're working like you, the midnight you had, shift, you because you had a kid, you, your first child, thirty two, thirty. Hang on, thirty one. Thirty one. Yeah. Okay. So second child at thirty four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you love the feeling of lacking sleep. How much sleep did you get though? So like, if you worked a midnight, so like, if you were working the twelve hour midnight shifts. When you would go in that night, you would typically have been up all day. And by the time you get home, you've been up for like 24 hours. So then you would sleep for eight hours that day. But it's not like normal sleep because people are out there mowing their yards. The 
trash trucks coming, people getting a roof on their house or getting a new driveway in. They're just doing life, and you're, every little noise bugs you. But then you work that second shift, and it's a 12-hour shift. But when you come home that next morning, um, you're actually on your like, days off because you only work about two days in a row. But you want to go to bed with and your, your family that night and kind of sleep like a normal family man. So you sleep for about three or four hours and get up at like 11 or 12. So you can go to bed that night. So you're struggling like the first day you're up for 24 hours and then you work shift. So you're working on like 10 to 12 hours. Sleep. So you're doing like three days yeah. a week. Yeah. So then, you know, then you would start that cycle again, you mm-hmm. know. Go to bed, sleep at night for a couple of nights, and then work at night for a couple of nights. So you're flip flopping between working days and sleeping nights. It's it's crazy and hard on the body. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I think the the hardest I ever worked was I was working Jimmy John's, Pizza Hut, and Insomnia Cookies. Yeah, three delivery jobs. It was awesome. I had a, a TDI. Your car guy, you know. Yeah. A TDI, like a 1999 or something stick shift little jetta that just whipped around town but i would work uh from 11 deliver from 11 till about four o'clock and then go to sleep wake up and then do it all over again and that was it and the if i wanted to do anything outside of work i had to either wake up early or go to sleep late and i never wanted to go to sleep late right by the end of the day i was just like you were in the fog yeah i was just like Get me to sleep now. Let right. me just let me go. So, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. But you said 31. I feel like I'm following your footsteps. So you're a good. Bit. You are in a good spot. So, so, so if if I follow your footsteps here, is that I need to get married by 29? Have first job oh, by 30. I got married when I got 30. Oh, okay. So okay. you're good. You're still good. You got a little bit of time. I just turned 29, so I've got, I've got. You got to, I mean, you still got to meet and court and do all that and get married with all within, courting? you know. Courting? What is courting? That's what my grandma always called it, right? <laughs> I know what courting is. Is and, that, did you, with your wife, did you court? Yes. Yeah? So we dated for about a year and a half. Okay. Um, as the pastor that married us said, she knew she wanted to get married to me before I knew I wanted to get married to her. Uh huh. Type thing. Um, <laughs> well, wait. You? She knew that she it? wanted to marry me before I knew I wanted to marry her. Oh, okay. Um, so, I, college phase. Remember, a little off the path. Um, I I dated a lot of girls. Were you a ladies' man? Um, as my friends, um, which I am now. Did you co- have longer hair? I'm just curious. Yes, you, I did, uh, yeah, you know, of course, I had longer hair. Did you right? have the long hair? Long no, 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 because I never. My dad would not allow it to be like long hair. Okay, so it was kind of like my length, maybe. Yeah, you, your length maybe like collar length in the back type thing, right? Um, a, mullet? <laughs> no, no, no mullet. Um, oh, I, I never, mullet. never liked those then. I can't stand that they're coming back. But um, I love it. I went, when I went on dates, I would. Oh, by the way, I totally forgot. I'm wearing this mustache. Mustache for, for like the because of the because you're an officer of law. I just thought there you go. I was going to shave it too. Like like I don't know. Two hours before you got here, I was like, should I shave? I'm just this? jealous because I can't grow one like that. So <laughs> I was like, no, I got to keep this because it's got. I don't know the um, didn't get the you know nice cut right. with it, but I look like a kind of an officer of law with it. There you go. Right, right. A little bit. Yeah, do, a little do they bit. still do that? No, it- I mean your hair is way, way too long. Because you know, like you can still grab your hair. That's why we keep it short. Oh, in case of a fight or something. Right. So nobody can grab your hair. Well, you ever notice the female officers put their hairs in buns? I don't really look at the female yeah. officers. You look. So you look at the male officers. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, Got no, it. no, no, no. I do see the female officers. But that's, I mean, we keep it short so nobody can grab our hair. Yeah. Okay. 
That makes more sense. Right. Well, I'm keeping this length. There you go. What were we talking about? Um, dating. Yes. Um, if I went on a date with a girl and I could tell it wasn't going to work, yeah. I didn't bother with the second date. Sure. You know, you gave me a red flag. Nope. So um, my family, my mom recently called me a player. <laughs> I was like at the dinner table in front of my boys. I'm like, at mom. And she looks at me and my wife looks at me and it's like, all right. Okay. Maybe. Maybe we need to clarify I, those. I, that I originally wasn't the players. Just like, like I said, if you want to date and you date somebody a, a couple times, and you're like, this is just not going to work. What's the point, right? If it's not going to work, if I can feel like it's not going to work now, it's not going to work in three weeks or three months, right? Sure. It's just not going to work. Yeah. So let's, let's just move on. Yeah. And so I would just, for a while, just continually was dating different girls all the time. But it sure. was, it wasn't like I was diving head first into this big relationship. It was just like, I remember going on a date with a girl that was like captain of the pom-pom squad at, at the college. Sure. And she was like, men I date will do X, Y, and Z for me and blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking, well, I do all those things, but that you, now that you expect me to do that, no. Nope. Whoa, wait, wait, she actually said... Yes. Guys I date will do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yeah, I do those things, but not for you. <laughs> like, as in, like, you're going to take me on the date to the... Yes. Yeah, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And you would treat me exactly this way. No, that's not... So you didn't, you didn't become very intimate with these women? You no, just... no, just kept, just kept moving on. Okay. Okay. So then met my wife. Um, and COVID wasn't going on. No, no COVID. So, so it made it life easier. Met my wife at church. Um, her smile blew me away. Yeah. I was walking up. She had this big old smile. And I remember thinking, wow. And we became, became friends. And um, we liked, I played a game called Ultimate Frisbee a lot back then. And she started coming to some of the games and watching. And I still remember sitting in a group after we were done playing Ultimate Frisbee. And I threw like a dirt clod. You know how guys, when we don't know how to act around a girl, we like, we do stupid things like punch them in the arms and stuff like that. Sure. I, threw, I threw like the dirt clod and hit her in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, uh, that's not going to work out now. She'll, she'll never go on a date with me. And if you ask her today, she'll say, that's the day I knew you, you liked me. <laughs> But I would suggest to all you men out there, don't throw dirt don't, don't throw dirt cuts. <laughs> it worked out for me. Just don't do that, right? I mean, yes. we, we sometimes forget how to act when we're around a girl that we like. And that's kind of how I knew I'm like, Could you please not incite violence on my channel? <laughs> right. <laughs> I would rather you not because it's going to come back to haunt me. Right. So, for all those who are listening, don't be throwing... No dark clouds at girlfriends or so, future girlfriends. So, did, did she approach you up after that and was like... No, I, I don't remember how it was. I just remember that story being told later. <laughs> That's funny. So... So, did you... What was the, what was the first date then? Um, the first date actually had my cousin came in from Kentucky. And... Um, it was my cousin and her husband, and they wanted to go out to a movie. And they were wanted to go see Saving Private Ryan. It was at the movies. And, um, great my, movie, by the way. Yeah, great first-rate movie, right? Oh, yeah. Violence and gore. And, <laughs> and so I remember my cousin's husband saying, well, you need a date. I'm like, we're going to the movie. I don't need a date. He goes, no, you need a date. I'm like, okay, there's this really cute girl at church. I really kind of like her. She's, okay, I'll call her. So I called her, and she said, sure. And I remember we went to the movies together. I remember, you know, where you're just like sitting there, and you don't know whether you just like hold hands or you're like, your, your hands kind of touch, and you're like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, sure. It was kind of that stuff going on back and forth, and like, you know, the like awkward hug at the end, like, <laughs> am I going to kiss? No, nope, it's a hug. No, nope, oh, oh, it's okay. just a hug. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
was kind of that awkward, but I remember feeling like, okay, there's I, something here. There's something here because we both had this like giddy feeling, and I just remember like we emailed each other for a little bit, and then she didn't live too far from me, and we were hanging out at church. The next thing you know, we started going on dates, and the rest is history. Yeah, she's she's my rock. So when did you find out? When did you realize that she had a crush on you? Um, see, when she offered to come over and like help me at my apartment, like what woman like comes over and like, oh yeah. So you're, you need some help, you know, you need some womanly touch in your apartment. Wait, wait. So your love language is gift giving. No, my love language is actually quality time. (laughs) Quality time. Yeah. She came over, right? Quality time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What's her love language? Um, Hang up. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. So, you know, guys, my advice to you is when you're with your spouse or your girlfriend and you think she looks really nice, instead of just thinking, wow, she looks really nice, that's your kind of cue to go, hey, honey, you look look really nice. And just let it be known. Huh. Because she might have that. Well, just. She might. Anytime. Yeah. It's probably a good little. It's not going to hurt anything, right? Yeah. Oh. That's how my last relationship ended. I said she didn't look nice. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that, I've never. T- <laughs> that doesn't go well. I don't think it. No, 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 no. Finding your love language is important. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do the whole book and everything? We did the whole book with, and we've actually we went to his one of his conferences and heard him heard him speak. Oh. And I still remember to this day, like one of the big things that he said, like he said when him was his first wife. When this fight, they were first married, that um, one thing he found out that when she opened doors or opened drawers, that she never closed them back. And he said they fought for like months. Why can't you shut the door? Shut the drawer. And he said that after one of their arguments, after about nine months of being married, that he walked in the kitchen and he just closed all the doors and drawers. And he goes, that took me like thirty seconds. But we've been fighting for nine months about this little incident for something that I could just do in thirty seconds. And he said, we've been married for like, at this point, it was like 40 years. He goes, I'm going to fly home tonight. And when I walk in my house, I'm going to walk into our kitchen and the doors and drawers are going to be open and I'm just going to go close them all. And I won't say a word to her. And I was like, that's pretty amazing. Right. Cause we all have those character flaws that we don't like to be known or see in my mind, I'm like, in that case, in that scenario, I would be lifting up the toilet lid and just leaving the toilet <laughs> See, lid. That open. doesn't work well either. Like you know, equal no. So okay, all right. I'm learning a bit here. So there, I can see why you haven't got married yet. Yeah, <laughs> That's, that hit me. <laughs> I'll take it though. I'll take it though. I have never told a woman that they look bad. Okay, let me just make that very. So clear. how do I look in this dress? See, I. <laughs> Oh man, she's not picturing you in a dress and it's getting weird. Oh, that is weird. <laughs> so, have you ever worn a dress? No, never. Okay. What do you think of people who do wear dresses? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, you get married, you have the kids, and then now we're missing the 30 to 50. Okay. So, what happened then? Policing, life, raising kids. The boring stuff. The bo- no, it's not boring stuff. I mean, <laughs> but all mixed in all that stuff is the life stuff of raising your kids and going to sporting events with your kids and basketball practices and baseball practices and loving on your wife and going on date nights and working are all the stories from the police department 
that continuously happen. Sure. Right. Do you, do you still go on dates then? Is that like, we try to, I think, you know, COVID really killed the date night thing. I think it's important to, especially in a marriage that you always put your marriage before your kids. I see a lot of families that put their kids in, you know, the, we weren't the, the parents that allowed our kids to be in those sports where every weekend we were traveling somewhere and we weren't being able to focus on us. We try to have date nights to stay, have that connection yeah. because we have to be together first. So that trickles down to our family. That's, so. that's hard to do. That is hard to do. It's really hard to do to put, you know, in that order right there. Right. Um, so what is your, what is, who who are you in the Bible? Um, I've never really thought about that. Yourself to the most. Oh, that's a good one. I've never really. We're on to the Bible question. Maybe like, like Job. Thomas. Do you have any? By the way, if you like do, Job. Go Job. That's no. that's harsh. <laughs> that's really harsh. You know, God talking to you, and you're like, <laughs> I'm not doing that. You know. You got the three buddies that are like, you don't know God, right? What are you thinking? I like to think of myself as like a Joseph. Imprisoned for 13 years and <laughs> rising yeah. to the pinnacle, yeah. More so the, the coat of many colors thing. Right. The I remember hearing somebody share. Have you heard of Jordan Peterson? I have not. He You should check him out. He really goes deep into Genesis, and you've never heard anything like this before, I'm telling you. But some people might call it sacrilegious. He's a psychologist and a father. Okay. So he takes the approach from a psychological uh, approach. I mean, he's not necess- he's he's breaking things down in a more scientific manner. But anything anyway, one of the things he said about Joseph is that Joseph uh he he wore a coat of many colors and basically what that meant was that um he was able to have a drink in the bar with the carpenter and have a conversation, but then go to a dinner with financial advisors. That's that's who Joseph. So that's 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 the part of Joseph that I I'd right. like to see myself as. I guess it's not really someone I see myself, but anyway. Maybe you're just Sam. I don't. Maybe. <laughs> I guess that could be true. You're right. You're right. And you're just Rob. I'm just Rob. Is it short for Robert? It is. I think I remember asking you that at a gas station. Robert Donald. Because I always remember calling you Officer Bratcher, and that's who it was. It's just. It's Officer Bratcher. Yep. Yeah. You know who I worked with, and you know him pretty well. Who's that? I worked with him for th- two, three years, and then um, I think he's moved on to driving trucks or something. Is Kevin O'Neill? Oh, Kevin O'Neill. Is he one of your favorites? Honestly, it's really weird, but yes. Yeah? Have I arrested the guy? Yes. But he's the guy that... You got to see evolve, right? Yeah. As a young man, made some bad choices, right? But then you saw him just starting to make those good choices. Uh, in police work, I will tell you, cops, do, we don't really like arresting people. It's not like, oh, yeah, I love arresting people. Sure. No, because it's unfortunately, that's like the last straw, right? And kind of like parents, you hate to ground your kids, but you know it's necessary to ground your kids because you're just looking for that behavior modification. Yeah. And sometimes people, it takes that arrest. And if it changes them and makes them start doing the right thing, then it, it was successful. And for some people, I've I've arrested numerous people. And I would tell you, most people I've arrested, 
will still speak to me the day, probably very highly of me, and we'll, we can still talk and be friends. Because I, no matter who I arrested, I treated everybody with dignity and respect because they are a human being. Have you ever been put in a position where you have pulled somebody over and they were somebody of power? Yes. Yeah? What's that like? Uncomfortable. Yeah? Very. Because the police officer in you says, if this is Joe Blow citizen, things look differently. Yeah. Right? And it's this isn't right. Because you have a position of power, you get, you're going to get treated differently. Yeah. You're going to skate, or I'm going to be told not to, or encouraged, not told not to, but maybe encouraged to look the other way. I mean, they didn't break the law, but it was close, or they, you know, it's just one of those things where it's just, it's a very uncomfortable, and I think it's uncomfortable for both parties, right? Sure. Crap. Yeah. You know, they're in a position... And it might be something that, you know, you look up to and you're like, okay, this is weird. Did, so in those times were you like, okay, I'm going to give you a warning or were you like, you need to show up at court? Um, I've done both. Yeah. And I just kind of go off what the gut instinct tells me to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I've done both. I'm not afraid if you have a person of power, you broke the law, but do I arrest everybody? Do I have I arrested every drunk driver I've ever pulled over? No. Sure. There is no. The law doesn't say we have to arrest people. We have the thing called discretion. And if I think a warning will suffice you, if I think a ticket will suffice you, I think an arrest, whatever I kind of feel like from talking to you, or you know, if I stopped you last week and give you a warning, but I stopped you this week, I'm probably not going to give you a second warning a week later. Yeah. Right. Because obviously, my warning last week did nothing for you. Right. So you can't, it's really hard because you can't just judge that, hey, I let this person of power go. But at the same time, I've let other people go for the same thing. Sure. So that, yeah, that does but then, play into it. You know, I don't want to, look, you showed favoritism, right? Because then the next car you pull over or you stop, you do that action to them and you arrest them and you're like, but I just let that person. So, and then that's go. also kind of weird whenever you pull somebody over that you know personally too. That's really awkward. That's <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Wow. It's awkward for both people, you know. I mean, if it's something simple, can officers use the discretion? Like, if it's a speeding thing, hey, okay, slow down, have a nice day. But if it's something more serious, like drinking and driving, yeah. it, it, it enters. Um, one of my son's teachers years ago, I'd stopped them. Oof. And, um, oh, they control your son's graduation. Uh, oh, all right. Okay. This is my son's teacher. Um, this is awkward. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, like I said, it's awkward for both parties. Yeah. Is that as awkward as it gets in the job? Like Just, yeah, pretty much. I mean, all <laughs> the weird things that you see, I mean, the things that we see, you cannot, <laughs> you could tell these stories to people and they'll go like that. You know, if they made a TV show and they started putting in some of the things that we see, they'd be people like, oh, that can't really happen on the streets. And I'm like, no, it does happen. And when you think you haven't seen everything, something pops up and you go, wow. Speaking of which, did you hear they discontinued cops? I did. Was After that, like, what, 30 years? Yeah. Was that sad to you? Did you ever watch that? It was a really good show to watch of what not to do. Yeah. 
Yeah, we called them training films. Wait, as an officer or right. as a as an officer? Yeah, yeah that's usually usually the stuff <laughs> that happened to cops was not like, yeah, that was good technique. That was good. Yeah, that was just like, dude, that was dumb. Right. I always wondered that. Like, did do you? Because the, the the thing we never liked about cops either is like they show like. You get in a high-speed pursuit. You get in a foot pursuit. You fight the guy. You tase the guy. He gets bit by the dog. Blah blah blah. It's all this action. It's fun, and then you go do it again, right? In reality, is you get in a high-speed pursuit. You chase the guy. You tase the guy. He gets bit by the dog, and you're at the station the next three hours writing your paperwork. Yeah, that's real police work. So they actually pan off those those police officers don't actually have to do any of that paperwork. Then they get back in their car and then they continue roaming around looking for. Right, so typically those officers are, will be like called secondary officers. They won't be the primary officer because that's kind of their role, just to show all the fun stuff. So, like, if you're not the primary officer and you're kind of the secondary, you usually don't. You might have a, a little paperwork, maybe like just what you saw when you were there, but you're not trying to tell the whole story. The other officer tells the whole story. You say kind of like, "But when I arrived, I did this," and then that's kind of how that that sure. works. Sure. I. Uh I'm kind of interested to get pulled over by you now, just so we can have that awkward <laughs> encounter. I'm like, hey, how's it going? Right. I was only going six over, man. <laughs> Do you have people haggle with you? Uh, yeah, yeah. But they have the last say. I have the last act. That's fair. Yeah, you can say whatever you want. Usually, when I get pulled over by officers, they've, they've, I've, I remember getting pulled over one time whenever I was driving to St. Louis. I was going to see about a girl. And on the way there, that's exactly what I told him. <laughs> and he also told me, he said, hey, you know, I wasn't going to pull you over, but you were in between me and the car that I needed to pull over. I'm just going to let you off on a warning. You go right ahead, sir. I was like, oh, gosh. Have you ever been pulled over? Of course. You have? <laughs> of course. <laughs> what kind of, what, what's that like? Um, so Have you ever gotten a ticket? That's a good question. Has right I been there. a police officer? <laughs> yeah. No. No, no. Um, we were on a way to uh, some a family vacation at the Lake the Ozarks with our family, and I was driving my hot rod yellow Daytona Dodge Charger with like the five percent tinted windows. Because <laughs> I, you know, like when you drive it to work, you don't want people to see you in uniform, so sure. you have darked out windows. And so I remember I'm driving probably five or six over the speed limit, trying to keep it. You know, you're on a yellow bright yellow car gets a lot of attention so i'm not a, like a big speeder but just trying to keep it within reason and people are passing me on the highway and a state trooper pulls in behind me it's pretty close to my bumper i'm like look at my wife i'm like yeah we're getting pulled over and she's like how do you know i'm like because i know how this game works and um he stopped me from my illegal window tent and even after i explained to the person that i was a police officer he still made me get out of the car, go back to his car with him, checked me for warrants, and they gave me the lecture about violating the laws, police officer. Oh, wow. So, Are you allowed to have that tent? You can get it if you need it from a doctor's note, but no, I mean, I could have got. he could have gave me a ticket. That's fair. I mean, my rationale was, if I drive to work, I don't want people to see me in uniform in my yellow sure. car. Yeah. So. Well, now everybody knows about you. And I don't have a yellow car anymore, though. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Okay, we don't want to. I don't no. want to expose you. So you you are still on the force. Yes. Is that proper? Yeah. On the force. On the force, police department. I remember speaking to somebody who was in the military, and I asked him about like, do are you in the army or something? They're like, no, 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 no. I'm a ranger or not a right. ranger, but I'm a whatever. So, do officers? 
I don't know what I was thinking. I was going to say, the officers, like, would you, if there was a war or something, would you sign up and then get so deployed? The best way to look at police officers is the military take care of everything outside the United States. We take care of everything inside the United States. Okay. So we're the front line of defense for the mainland USA. Okay. So. So I kind of want to ask you about what's going on today. What's going on today? What's going on today? I don't know. Everything that's going on today. Uh, it's just a tough topic. Yeah. It, it really is um, with everything going on today. I think we've gotten away from the point that we are able to listen to each other, that we tell people what we believe and we expect people to believe that. Instead of taking time to actually listen to people um, and what they have to say. We also live in that society where the first story we hear is the first story we believe. And you and I kind of hit on that earlier, sure. that people really need to take the time to look into what the story says and not form an opinion because some news anchor on a conservative or her liberal station or whatever they listen to said it, that if that's, they need to check and check their facts. And you know, you know, and I both know that's hard, but I, I try to check with all the different stations you know, and just see what people are saying. I mean, I wish the news would media would get back to reporting us the facts and let us form our own opinions about what happens. Um, we live in that video culture where we see something happen on a video, but we assume that we know what happens. I mean, people come up to me all the time. Did you see that cop on video, what he did? What do you think, Bratcher? Mm -hmm. I have no comment. They're like, why not? I'm like, because I wasn't there. I, I don't know the circumstances. I don't know what led up to that scene. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what happened after. I said, and you weren't there either. You don't tell me what the cops should do because you weren't there. I said, until you've been in a place where you've had bullets flying by your head and you've been in a fight for your life, you don't really get an opinion on how the cop should do his job because it's very differently when you're actually there in the middle of that. The way I like to compare, tell people about it is um, we're all Chiefs fans. and we're Go Chiefs. And... <laughs> But being at the game, go Mahomes. Go Mahomes. Hope you'll get Number okay, Pat, Patrick. Um, being at the game, there's energy and there's tension when the the Chiefs are losing, or there's excitement when they're winning. You can just feel the energy in the stadium, correct? Yeah. But when you're at home watching it, that energy is not the same. It's not there. It's kind of like that for the police world. When you're there and you're on the scene and something serious is going on, there is energy. There's emotion. There's parties being scared. That's you're concerned for your own life and well-being, and then you're sitting at home watching a video, and you get to pause it, and you get to watch it over and over again and go, oh, he should have done this. Well, we do the same things like, oh, oh I could have done this, but in the moment, things are happening so fast that you got to make decisions really quick. It kind of reminds me of the uh, movie Soli, I think is what it was called. I think it is. It's Soli, and it was basically this... Uh, based on a true story and the plane took off and then basically Ooh, yes. they hit uh the these, geese the geese and the engines went out and he had the choice to either try to veer it back in and, and land uh, on the tarp or or into a field or something or to take it into the water and then he ended up choosing based on all of his experience that he would take it into the new york harbor Right. Right. And so into he takes, the Hudson. Yeah. In the Hudson. That's right. And he takes it into the Hudson and then he's put on trial and they play this scenario and like they play it and they it's over like, and over. Oh, yeah. 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 They, 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 we did this. We did this 900 times or something. And uh, we found that you could have gotten it back to the tarp. Right. And he was like, 
no, you, you didn't, you need to, you need to take into account of these, this factor, this factor, this factor, you need to take into effect that human error. Just, just Well, he said you didn't, you took into effect that you knew the bird strike was coming. Yeah. Right. I didn't know the bird strike was coming. Yeah. So there was all that. What happened? What just happened? We need to evaluate what happened. Like 20 seconds. Right. Like 27 seconds of how we evaluate what happened. They knew what happened. So immediately when the engines went crazy. That's right. Oh, bird strike. So then we start. Boom, 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 boom. We, we start the protocol. So you should, you, you need to account that for it. And right. so then they did that. And then it was like they failed every time or something. I think one out of 10. But, right. But that kind of reminds me. Of, yeah. It, of it's, a lo- it's a lot like that. You're right. You're in an aircraft and you get struck by birds. What do you do in that situation? I mean, when something happens, there is that like, okay, what just happened? And that, that processing part of it, what's going well, on? Well, not just also right. in the, in the instance of the officer though, I think that we could take that right. as an analogy I, of just like any, anything, anything you'd like, agree. Oh, okay. So I just shared, this is what happened. Okay. Like, hold on. Give me like 27 seconds to process that. And then, um, within that processing, like where, where, who is sharing this information with me? Where is the evidence? What is like, I need to know more, like, you know, let's try that. Just 27 seconds to process information that's gathered. But the thing is, is that it moves so quick and you're scrolling and it's just like, right. Happens so fast. Um, yeah. Have you heard of donut operator? No. Oh, you got to check out Donut Operator. I will check it out. I it's promise. a YouTube channel, and he does. He breaks down a lot of uh, videos that uh, you probably don't even want to watch that, actually, though. Oh, is that the sign? <laughs> All right, so we're going to have an advertisement here. Okay. Uh, oh, you got to go? Well, I mean, uh, we've got about 15 minutes. We can do about 15 more minutes. Oh, okay. Is that okay. cool? Yeah, that's fine. If we can start. I do have that son at home that I'd like to get home and see before he goes off to college. Hey, man, I... I get it. I mean, I don't really get it. I don't have a son at home. He, he's going to college. Where's yeah. he going to school? Uh, uh, Missouri S&T, Rolla. Yeah? Yeah. Automotive, uh, mechanical engineering, focusing on automotive. Oh, okay. Imagine that, right? Well, yeah. That's not our car habit, so. That's sweet. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. Um, I was going to guess maybe broadcasting, but. No. No. Maybe no. the younger one's going to do broadcasting. We'll see. Yeah? Yeah. Or uh, what else did you say? that uh, Architecture? That was, that was what I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you draw? I do. Yeah? Yeah. So I can show you a picture where we're sitting here. I figure it out. So my son played for Liberty North basketball, and during COVID, what did we have to do? Draw. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot to do, right? During COVID. So I used to draw in high school. So I decided to get out all the drawing supplies and um, see if I can find that here. and Just start drawing again. Maybe I can find it. So it was just it was kind of a. It's amazing what you can find to do during COVID. You know, you get bored, you're at home a lot. So you're like, I used to draw in high school. Well, let's see if I can still draw, and apparently I still can. That's nice. So that's better. That's yeah. better. That's a whole lot. Well, well, I don't know. I'm pretty good at drawing. So that's me not drawing for like 20 years. Is this this is this was just freehand too or was it based off of a picture? I looked at a picture, yes. Okay, yeah. So like his legs weren't in the picture so I had to add the legs and okay. And stuff like that. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Is he going on scholarship? No, he's I mean he just loved everything about basketball, sports and sure. Intramural guy. 
He's gonna get. He's gonna fall in love with frisbee like his dad. There you go. Sure. Throw a dirt claw at dirt, some girl. At and, some girl and fall in love. That's yeah. it. Um, okay. Cool. Well, thank. Thanks for coming. Hey, no problem. It's, uh, it's been a good time. It has been. This is where we do the COVID bump. Okay. Or the handshake. We can do the COVID bump. Sure. Well, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I can shake your hand. We're just sitting here like within six feet, right? Well, okay, wait, Ben. I know. I don't want the law to come down on us. Oh, no, that's right. We need to hide from the law. There's the ordinance that the mayor has put in place. Okay, do the air fist bump right here. Yeah, we'll, we'll just we'll shake hands after. All right, there you go. Okay, Thomas, cue the end. Huh. It was good talking. It was good talking. It's like a new world after you 